Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Glad that you're here with us at Gateway Taze Valley. Uh, my name is Brian Dillon, and I'm the campus minister here. And we're glad that each of you are here this morning as well, especially if it is your first time. Hey, back to school is right around the corner. So before we get started with our message this morning, I want to let you know uh, about an exciting thing that we have coming up here at Gateway Taze Valley. So we have been looking for ways uh, to impact our schools in, in, in new and exciting ways. And so this year, we are going to be doing or announcing today our back-to-school blowout. And part of our back-to-school blowout is something that we're calling Essentials for Educators. And that really comes in three forms. So the first form involves this tote right here. And we have five elementary five elementaries that we're looking uh, to bless this year in a big way. Um, Mountain View, Scott Tays, West Tays, Winfield, and Connor Street. And so, uh, of course, uh, across all three or all five of those schools, our goal this year is to fill up uh, a tote like this with uh, essential supplies for all of the elementary teachers at those five schools. And so uh, you may or may not know this, but on average, teachers spend over $600 a year on their own supplies. And we would like to lessen that load just a little bit. So we have uh, a tote for every teacher at those five elementaries, and we would love your help uh, as you go out and find school supplies for your own kids, uh, maybe you, you can grab a little extra. We're going to be publishing a list uh, that you can uh, buy from and uh, bring those in, and you, we're going to be collecting them here over the next few weeks. On August the, uh, the 22nd, uh, it's a Sunday, so for the next three weeks, that's three weeks for today, over the next three weeks we're going to be collecting these things, and then on August the 22nd, after the second service, we're going to have a lunch together, and then we're going to pack up all these totes so that we can then deliver them the next day right before school starts and really be a blessing to, uh, to these elementary teachers. That's one of the big ways, that's one of our big things we like to be involved in the community is be involved in our schools on a regular basis. And we thought we'd kick that off this year by helping these five, the teachers of the five elementaries uh, help them start off in the right way. Another way uh, that we want to help out is our great day of service. At the same five elementaries, we're going to be going out and helping them get ready on the outside or maybe some projects on the inside, help them get ready for a great school year. Last year, this really applies to both of these things. Last year might have been the hardest year there's ever been. Uh, for teachers. And I'm sure for a lot of them, they would agree this is the hardest year of my career. Uh, and so we want to help them hopefully have a much better year this year and get started off in the right way. So we want to help these schools get ready for their first day of school. We've done the great day of service uh, for years in the past where we uh, help mulch or paint or just different little small projects on the outside. It doesn't require a lot of handyman experience or anything like that. I always say, if I can be there doing it, then you can be there and doing it. And so uh, this is an all-ages, all-families event that you can come out and serve together as a family. And especially if it's part of your school uh, where your child is going, if you, if you have the opportunity, I would encourage you to take them and help them get their school ready uh, kind of see it from a different perspective. And, and they can have uh, a little bit of a pride that, like, I helped my school get ready for the school year. And so we want to do that. That's on August the 15th from 2 to 5 p.m. We're going to be doing our great day at service. And there's a sign-up sheet out there. Uh, pretty much all of them involve, you know, rakes, shovels, wheelbarrows, things like that. If you've been a part of this before, you know it's pretty simple work. And I, I always say, what better way uh, to get 
to know new people than to go out in the 90 degree heat and do yard work, okay? And so uh, really though, if you served at VBS or any of our other events, you know uh, that serving together is an awesome opportunity to get to know new people that you might never have been able to talk to before. You know, we have two services here and you kind of see people in passing. This is a great way to get to know new people. And that's really what we're about is building relationships with one another as we build our relationship with Jesus. So great day of service coming up on the 15th of August from 2 to 5 p.m. And you can sign up where you want to be. The third aspect of this is we have not forgotten our high school and middle school teachers as well. And so we actually have a really cool opportunity here at Gateway Taze Valley that the principal of Winfield High School and now the principal of Hurricane High School attend here regularly. And so we view that as just an awesome opportunity to see what God can do and, uh, with our older kids as well. And so uh, for our high school and middle school teachers at those two schools, we're going to uh, that first week, we're looking to bless them with, with donuts or some sort of catering uh, for all the teachers there that, that during that first week, we can, kind of, uh, again, set them off in, in a good way. So we're going to be opening up financial opportunities as well. If you want to give financially to be a part of that blessing, uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. So awesome opportunities for all of us to be involved as we get our, as send our kids off to school and as uh, parents are partying. Uh, we hope that you will take an opportunity to, to bless our teachers. We just want to be a part of, you know, these teachers are with our kids every day and we want to just let them know how much we appreciate them and how much of an impact they make on our kids' lives and on our lives as well. So, that's going to be coming up. We're going to be putting out more information, more details this week, but we wanted to announce this and let you know how excited we are as a staff here uh, to be doing this. And so if you have any questions, you can ask me or one of the staff. We'd love to, to answer those. And then as we go on, there, we're going to be putting more information out on our Campus Life Facebook uh, early this week, and then we'll be announcing it more as we go along. So hopefully you'll be a part of that. Today, we begin a new series called Faith with Doubt. And you might hear that and think that's a little bit of a paradox. How can I have faith with doubt? But sometimes Christians, they do have doubts. And it's okay to have doubts as a Christian. What matters is what you do with those doubts. Now, if you've ever had moments of doubts as a Christian, that's okay. It's not uncommon. It's not unusual. In fact, if I'm going to put my full faith in something, if I'm going to give my life over to somebody that I say controls the universe... I want it to be something that can't be fully explained away. If I'm going to say that there's something that's bigger than this world, well, then I truly want it to be bigger than this world. Something that my mind can't comprehend. Something that causes me to question and doubt sometimes. Now, we did a series a few years ago called Room for Doubt, in which we acknowledge that it's okay for Christians to have spiritual doubts. But we also said that there are answers for those doubts that we need to be aware of. And that those answers are in a field that we call Christian apologetics. And it covers questions of faith in the areas of history, philosophy, morality, and science. Now, many of you may know those answers. But what we're finding is that a lot of our younger generation, they're out there searching for them. And for these young people, just believe. Just, just believe isn't a satisfactory answer because their faith is still developing. For a person with more life experience or one that has seen God's hand in many different things or one that has experienced God and, and on multiple occasions, well, having faith or, or just believe, that's something that makes sense to us. It's more acceptable because you know what or who you are believing in. 
But for somebody that's never experienced this thing, well, they need more. Especially when you start to stack your faith up against topics that are being taught in our schools. Trying to do an apples-to-apples comparison between school subjects and Christianity can often lead to a, a path where there isn't a firm explanation, and that then leads to questions and doubts. But not every question about what we believe is unanswerable. So we have to take advantage of what we can prove and what we can answer. Unfortunately, many that have grown up in the church are are coming up empty or they're unsatisfied with the answers that they're getting about their doubts and their questions. And many of them are leaving the church or worse, abandoning their faith altogether as a result. So as a church, as Christ followers, we have to do better with this. We have to be able to give answers on the things that we can and provide a safe place for questions to be asked. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And that verse is what we come back to often when it comes to apologetics. Always be prepared to give an answer. We actually have a Christian apologetics group for adults that meets uh, here at our Taze Valley campus every first Sunday evening of the month. And uh, today is, in fact, the first Sunday of the month. So there is one meeting here tonight at 6 p.m. if you want to come out. It's a great opportunity to delve into different topics of faith that have caused doubt and some people. Now, even more excitingly, I would say, in the near future, our student ministers, Luke Martin and Philip Mullins, are are going to start a monthly forum where area students can meet together and discuss the questions that they might be having about their faith. The the truth is that high school and middle school students are, are really smart and thoughtful these days, and they're watching and listening to the voices in our culture Voices that are louder than ever, it seems. In a lot of ways, they're looking to the church to to help them sort through the tough questions, and we need to be ready. So we're excited to be able to offer this opportunity to our young people, and not just young people that attend Gateway, but all young people from the area that that might want to delve into these topics, to, to help work through their doubt. We want to provide a safe environment for students to ask questions and discuss doubts and dig deeper into their faith. So we're really excited about this opportunity, and we'll be providing more details soon as to when they're going to start meeting and how often they'll be meeting, but we wanted to tell you about that today. Now, as part of this Faith with Doubt series, we're looking to get behind the doubts that some people have about their faith. We're going to be talking about things in your life and mine that can create fertile ground for doubt to grow with the hope that we can nip it in the bud and save ourselves a lot of spiritual confusion, crisis and even spiritual discouragement. And so if you're here this morning and you're having doubts about your faith, this series should help you diagnose your issue and then give you some practical steps on how to deal with it. If you're not having those doubts, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Be thankful to God for that. But look for those around you that might be struggling. Remember what we said last week. A lot of what God is doing today is not just for today. It's for the next generations as well. And so let's do our part today, too. If you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you want to head that way, I encourage you to. Before we get there, though, we want to go through three statements, three introductory statements 
to help get us started this morning. Number one, it's normal to have questions in your faith. The fact is we just don't and won't know everything about everything. We live in the mystery of evil and pain and suffering. I mean, even the love of God that would send His Son Jesus to the cross for us as sinners is a mystery to us. But there is beauty in what we cannot understand. We have questions, and it's because we have questions that we have faith. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we live by faith and not by sight. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. There are some things that God has revealed to us that make faith possible, but there are still secret things that He has not and will not reveal to us that make faith necessary. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. It's the confidence in our faith to explain the things we know, and it's the humility in our faith to say there are things that we don't know and can't explain. Number two, you can only doubt what you already believe. That only exists when there's already a presence of belief. If you don't believe, well, then there's no room for doubt. Non-believers don't doubt, they just don't believe. To doubt is to have questions or uncertainty about what you believe to be true. Tim Keller says that the, the problem with using the existence of evil to disprove God is, well, the only reason we know what's good and evil is because of God. Without God, who's to say what is evil and what is good? When evil causes us to doubt, it actually points us back to an existence of God. Think about this. If an atheist doubts, that means he is uncertain about his atheism. He's not certain about whether or not God exists. An agnostic doesn't doubt the existence of God. He just says that it can't be known whether or not God exists. You can't doubt what you don't already believe. So if an agnostic has doubts about his beliefs, he thinks maybe God maybe can be known. Doubt presupposes some kind of belief. And that's why we say there is room for doubt, because if you're having doubts, that means you have an underlying belief to doubt in the first place. And that's why this series is called Faith with Doubt. Because we realize that although we might have questions, although we might have doubts, at least we already have a belief system in place to work with. And our final introductory statement this morning as we get started is that doubt is not the same as unbelief. Some people might try to tell you that, but doubt is not the same as unbelief. Doubt is having questions about what you believe to be true. Unbelief is a, refuse, a refusal to believe what is true. This means that doubt is a struggle that we have as believers, while belief, unbelief is a condition of the heart of unbelievers. Doubt creates questions that can lead to a stronger faith. But if it's not handled correctly, it can lead to discouragement or a weak faith and eventually unbelief. And the cure for doubt is to deal with the root causes, to, to get answers to our questions when those answers are available, and to trust God when they're not. The Christian apologist Frank Turek once said, even if some of our questions aren't answered or are inexplicable because of our limited perspective, that's no reason to doubt God's existence. 
What we don't know does not negate what we do know. Unbelief causes spiritual blindness and a resistance toward God and His work in the world. When the Apostle Paul looked back on his life before he met Jesus, he said, I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And that's why we have to deal with doubt, even if it causes questions to arise that are hard to answer. Again, doubt is not the problem. It's how we react to our doubts where the problems begin. The cure for unbelief is conversion, a change of heart, and is the work of prayer. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in, con- in conjunction with the Gospel of Christ. And so if you're dealing with doubts, or you have questions arising, and you have to know what you're dealing with if you want to fix it. Because the cure is different for each. Is it doubt or is it unbelief? In this series, we're going to be dealing mostly with questions of doubt. And we hope that this series will help you work through your doubt that you might be having before it turns to unbelief. And if some of you are here this morning struggling with unbelief, well, we pray that this series will spark something inside you that the Holy Spirit can, can ignite into flames of revival in your heart. All right, so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning and see the first root cause for doubt in our lives, which is a muddled memory. And boy, has that been a problem for God's people for just about forever. Since at least the time of God's promise to Abraham, he has done so much for his people, delivering them again and again, blessing them again and again. And yet the Israelites, and even us today, unfortunately, seem to forget what the Lord has done. They and we have a muddled memory at times. In Deuteronomy 8, Moses is here. He's speaking to the Israelites. He's an old man now. He's clocking in and an experienced 120 years old. And this is his last message to the people. Now, if you know your Old Testament history, you know that the Israelites, God's people, wandered in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience. Well, that generation is now gone, and here Moses is speaking to the next generation, the new generation of people, a generation that is on the verge of finally entering the land that was promised by God. These people were born in the desert, they they grew up in the desert, and they actually had witnessed a miracle of God every single day in the desert. Many of us would love to see a miracle of God any time. Just one, just give me one in my life. How awesome would that be? These people, they saw one every day of their lives. And how, what was this miracle? Well, it was manna and quail. And that might sound a little bit odd. How could that be miraculous? I, I have heard of hunters praying uh, maybe for something to come across when it's been a, a light day. But in this situation, God had provided the Israelites with what they needed every single day. He gave them manna and quail so they would be sustained in the desert, so they would have food in the desert. They wouldn't go hungry in the desert. And it was an incredible miracle of God's provision. Listen to Moses in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 4. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Can you imagine 
never having to buy new clothes or shoes because you or your feet didn't swell, or or never worrying about what you're going to have to eat on a daily basis. I mean, God created a new food for these people. What an amazing daily miracle they experienced. And you would think that they would never forget then how awesome God is, how God provided them day after day while they were in the wilderness. But God has shown Moses what's on the horizon. And as the leader of the people, Moses begins to prepare them for potential pitfalls. Starting in verse 7, he says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. In other words, Moses is like, wow, guys, things are going to be awesome. You can't even imagine. You thought... I know we've been through a lot, but we are about to step foot into a land where you will not want. Everything you could ever want is going to be there. I mean, we've been suffering for a long time, but that's all about to change. Here we go. But Moses warns them that when they get there, when you have all of this at your disposal, when the Lord is blessing you in new and exciting ways, you've got to be really careful. He continues in verses 11 through 14. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of the land of slavery. I mean, how is that possible? After all that the Israelites have been through, after the Lord brings them, He delivers them out of Egypt, after He provides for them day after day after day, after all that He had delivered them from, and and now He's finally brought them to the promised land, how could they possibly forget about Him? But Moses is here warning them and saying that when you get what you've been looking forward to, when you get what you've been praying over, when you get what you've always wanted, your faith is going to be tested. Success comes with a subtle test. Affluence is good, but it can be dangerous to your spiritual health. And so when it comes to us, what is it that you've always wanted? What have you been praying about for a really long time? An amazing spouse, 2.5 kids in a picket fence, the perfect job, whatever it is, be careful because once you're blessed with it, it might actually cause you to forget the Lord. When we're depending on Him, man, we're going after, we're praying day after day, Lord, please give, I need this, I see how I could work, this could work, I could do it for your glory. But how many times have we been blessed with something? And then our prayer life just kind of teeters off. The very blessing you've been asking God for could actually cause you to forget about Him. See, the truth is, pleasure and prosperity can be a threat to your faith. As Christ followers in a a prosperous nation, we can easily forget about the One that has given us everything that we have, from from whom all blessings flow. 
Our affluence can lead to us forgetting about God. And that may be actually one of the biggest threats to your faith. We've been blessed with so much, but then we forget where those blessings came from. We kind of think we don't need God anymore. I got this. In many ways, success is more dangerous to our faith than suffering. And parents, we need to be as concerned about the spiritual health of our kids when they succeed as when they fail. Because success can breed overconfidence and apathy in our faith. Some say we're losing our kids in high school and on college campuses to atheism. And yes, that is true. But we may also be losing them to affluence and success in the pursuit of it. See, they still believe in God, but they've just been taught to love the world more. It's a natural moral choice they're making to forget God, and we're losing the battle because we don't even know who the enemy is. C.S. Lewis once said, we feel that we are making our way in the world when the truth is that the world is making its way in us. So this is the first root cause of doubt in our faith. Success and the pursuit of it leading to a muddled memory. So we have it so good that we forget God and everything that He's done for us. All the blessings He's rained down upon us. We stop relying on, us, on Him to get us through the day and we start believing that we don't need Him anymore. And over time, well, doubt begins to grow. When you don't have to rely on Him anymore to provide for your needs, you, give, you begin to doubt when He doesn't come through with your wants. And so when our affluence or success is threatened, our, our doubt can begin to rise because we've forgotten about the Lord who got us to where we are today. It's as much of a danger to us today as it was for the Israelites back in Deuteronomy 8. And so if this is such a danger to us in, in our faith, then how do we know when this is happening? Well, Moses lists three symptoms of, of a muddled memory to look out for as we go along. The first one is pride. The second one is presumption. And the third is self-promotion. And so we're going to look at each of these quickly this morning. Moses says in verse 14, Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Pride was the first sin committed by Satan. It's the sin of many successful people. And while it wasn't something the Israelites struggled with while they were in the wilderness, it was going to be a huge temptation for them once they entered the promised land, the land where the Lord was going to provide everything they could ever hope for and more. If you don't root out pride in your heart, it has the potential to root out your faith. The second symptom is presumption. Moses says in verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Presumption means that you assume credit for your own success. You put yourself on the throne instead of God, attempting to take the glory for yourself and steal it from Him. And as a result, God is pushed to the margins of your life and you begin to doubt His goodness and provision for you. And the last symptom is self-promotion. Look at the last two words there, verse 17. For me. Moses warns when you have victory and success in the land, be careful not to forget that it was God who brought you here. But also be careful not to think that this is all about you. See, our culture today is all about self-promotion. It's all about building a brand, building an identity, getting that hustle on so you can stand out from the crowd. And when that type of thinking begins to dominate our headspace, well, that really hinders and threatens our ability to love God and love your neighbor. 
And so if these are the symptoms of a muddled memory, these are the things to watch out for, then what is the treatment? What is the cure? Well, the treatment is to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. When you are full of gratitude, you remember who has provided you for all of your blessings and successes. You remember who it traces back to. You remember the times that he's delivered you. You remember the times that he has blessed you. And it doesn't come easy. And honestly, I don't think it comes naturally either. And so it's going to take some effort in your life to be grateful for what God has done. We're going to need to work really hard to remember and teach our kids about all that God has blessed us with on a daily basis so that we don't forget what he's done. Looking back in Deuteronomy 8, verses 15 and 16, Moses says, He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. And boy, sometimes I think we just need a Moses alongside of us to, to constantly remind you of all that God... Remember that time you prayed and, and, and then God delivered? And remember that time you couldn't see your way out and then God was there? And remember that time? And remember that time? See, sometimes when life kind of hits us in the face and, and God doesn't answer in the way that we hope, we have a hard time. We have a memory issue. And so sometimes we need a Moses in our life to say, remember that time? Maybe you need to start keeping a gratitude journal as a reminder. Maybe you don't have that person in your life, but maybe you can go back and go, wow, I remember like three years ago. I remember I really prayed for that for like six months. And man, God delivered in such an amazing way. He was there the whole time, and I can see that now. See, so much of the way that God works, we don't see it until well after the fact. And so keeping a journal can help us see like, oh yeah, I saw what he was doing that whole time. It wasn't what I wanted, but it was what he wanted. Whatever it is, be thankful for God's provision every single day. Never forget what he's done for you in the past. Be thankful for what God has done in the past to give perspective on what he's doing in the present. And if you ever struggle with being grateful, sometimes we can get that way. Sometimes, man, it seems like God just says, no, no, no. Or it seems like God's not even listening or cares sometimes. So if you ever struggle with being grateful, Moses shows us two areas of our lives where we can get practical with developing an attitude of gratitude. And the first is our food. I mean, in this chapter, Moses sure does talk a lot about food. Why? Because, well, it's one of our daily needs. Everybody needs it. It's relatable on all levels. And it was the daily need that that God met the most while the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. And so Moses is here contrasting their current situation with what they're about to walk into. So they won't forget where they've come from, when they see what God's about to do. In verse 3, he mentions the manna, which they had never experienced before. In verse 8, he mentions wheat and barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. In verse 9, he mentions bread that they'll have in abundance. In verse 10, he says they'll eat, they will eat and be satisfied. In verse 12, he mentions again that they will eat and be satisfied. In verse 16, he mentions manna again. If you were about to go through a period where food wasn't readily available, where you knew the only way you were going to make it was because God provided, you would appreciate the simple things like food on your table so much more. Or maybe on the, on the flip side, if you were about to enter into a, a time of affluence, enter into a time of abundance, it would be important to remember where you've come from, how God still delivered when you had a need. And so let's always be grateful for the food that God has provided for us and model an attitude of gratitude for our kids so they don't forget it either. 
The second area is our finances. Moses says in verse 18, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Finances were such an important part of the lives of the Israelites, and they're such an important part of our lives today. God gave them a way to cultivate thanksgiving with their finances by teaching them to give 10%, a tithe of their crops or livestock or whatever they had accumulated back to God. And they were learning that for every 10% they gave back to God, He had blessed them with 10 times that amount. Friends, we should be grateful for all that God has blessed us with financially and look for ways to bless others in return. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let us never forget where our blessings come from. Many of us have prayed and requested prayers about uh, the job that we're in right now. So let us not forget about how God blessed us after He brought the blessing. Get back to God, what is God's, and look for ways to bless others the way that God has blessed you. So this morning, we can combat the pride and the presumption and the self-promotion that come with a muddled memory by cultivating an attitude of gratitude. When the Lord blesses your life, never forget who brought you there. Never get that mixed up. Never let your kids forget who is responsible for all that you have. This is going to help keep the doubt at bay when it starts to rear its ugly head because you can remember all the times that God has come through before, all the times that God has provided for you in the past and all the blessings that He has poured out for you. So this morning, as we finish, let us never forget the greatest blessing that all of us have received. And that's God's Son, Jesus Christ. So you can, we all come from a lot of different places. We come from different backgrounds, come from different upbringings. And so maybe when we talk about blessings, maybe we can, maybe you feel like, man, I, I don't feel very many blessings in my life. Or maybe you've been blessed abundantly. That, blessings can go either way, but there's one blessing that all of us have received. All, all of us didn't deserve, and that was when God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for each one of us. And so it doesn't matter what your upbringing is, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter where your faith life has been up until this point, we all come here this morning in the same need for a Savior, receiving the same blessing in the form of Jesus. And so when doubt begins to rise in our hearts, when this world doesn't go the way that we hoped that it would, when we pray and we don't get the answers that we want, when it feels like we haven't received a blessing in a long time, let us remember that the Almighty God of the universe loved each of us so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, so that each of us could have eternal life, that our sins would be washed away, and that we would be able to spend eternity with Him. And that is the greatest blessing of all. That is a blessing that all of us can receive. That is a blessing that all of us have received. And so when the doubt begins to kick in, never forget what our almighty God has done for each one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we come this morning from all different walks of life, from all different kinds of upbringings. Some of us, I'm sure, feel like 
we have not blessed as, been as blessed as much as our brothers and sisters have been. But Father, one level playing field that we come to you on this morning is our need for a Savior, that we have all fallen short. We've all sinned, and we all need a Savior. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you so much. We love you. We, we thank you for your love for us. That no matter the mistakes that we've made in our, in our past, no matter how we come to you this morning, that you love each one of us so much, that you love the world so much, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die for each one of us. That though he was perfect, he would be the perfect sacrifice to wash away our sins and provide us the hope of eternal life. And so, Father, as we go from this place, as we live our lives, in the times that the doubt begins to rise, in the times that we don't understand, that we would always remember that no matter what has happened in our life, no matter how many storms we've been through, the truth remains that you sent your son Jesus for each of us. And so, Father, I pray that when the doubt begins to rise, that we will remember that blessing because that is a blessing that all of us have received that all of us have access to. And it's the greatest blessing of all. So Father, this morning, I pray that we would never forget what you've done for us. Never forget that you're always working for the good of those that love you according to your purpose. I pray that we would cultivate an attitude of gratitude, that we would constantly be looking for ways that you have worked in our life in the past, that we would never, never skip over the small things, the small blessings in our life, the small ways that you've moved in the past. We would always be grateful to a God that loves us, that never forgets us, and is always there. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've come this morning and you've never made the decision to give your life over to Jesus, and make him the Lord, the Savior, and the King of your life. Well, there's no better day than today to make the greatest decision you could ever make. Because here's the thing, this, this world is going to tell you there's a lot of paths to success. There's a lot of things you can do. There's, there's a lot of ways to see the right ending. But we know that Jesus said... I'm the only way. I'm the only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so no matter what the world might tell you, ultimately, anything other than Jesus is going to leave you unsatisfied. So we can try and try and try to fight against that. And we can try and try and try to leave that. But the truth will always remain that Jesus is the only way. So this morning, if you've never made that decision, it's time to stop fighting. It's time to give your life over to the only one that can do anything about the things that we're dealing with every day. Come this morning and say, I want to give my life over to Jesus. I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I want to, to love him and love the way that he loves me. And in front of all these people, you can say, I want to be baptized and celebrate with these witnesses. I am a new creation in Christ. My old life of sin is gone, and my new life starts today.
never made that decision, I would love to talk to you about that this morning. This is the greatest decision you could ever make. If you made that decision, you just you come this morning and you just need some prayer. Boy, there are some weeks that just hit you. It's been a rough week. I come in, we come in with, with baggage and we're just hurting. And if that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you. Prayer is the ultimate weapon and the things against the things of this world because it's not of this world. It's better than anything, any weapon formed in this earth. And so we would love to pray with you this morning. I'll be right down front and we can pray over whatever's going on, medically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that might be, whatever's going on, whatever the storm in your life is right now, I'd love to pray with you this morning and invite God into that situation. Maybe you don't want to come now. You come after the service. I'd love to pray with you then. Or sometime through the week, you can come in. We're here most of the, most of the time. You can scan one of the QR codes and send in your prayer requests through the information card. We pray over those every week. Whatever it is, we'd love to pray with you because I know, I know that this world is hard sometimes. But we have a secret weapon. So if you have a decision to make, I'll be right down front. If you need some prayer, I'll be here. I'd love to speak with you this morning. I just ask that all of us stand and sing our final song together.